a lot of my poetry is a lot of you know a lot of my poetry does come um, I would call it thinly veiled autobiography um, but one of the most important things for me as a writer is that um, my mother who grew up in abject poverty in the west in the Appalachian Mountains of Western North Carolina um, never doubted that I was meant to write even when I doubted it myself so I never read with that at least I always open with the mama poem because she's no longer here in body but have no doubt y'all she's here <laughs> this is called she gave her meat and milk she gave her meat and milk to her children for years claiming to be a vegetarian her portions of each meal steaming on their plates any extra carcass picked clean with her own mother's fingers pulled from the bony chicken bought carefully on sale at food lion the cold white sweetness in their glasses the brown earthiness of tough stew beef simmered tender, tender with onion gravy they ate what was hers and they grew she smiled at the milk mustache in their little mouths the clanging music of forks hit in plates and ate her own bowl of beans grains grown in the garden she kept rice to fill the same space beneath her ribs where once these babies now children now adults had swum she ate whatever remained every bite of prayer they never heard her say um, usually I shape my readings Coleridge said the only things worth writing about were sex and death and uh, I have a tendency to, to, to add one more I'm southern enough to think you ought to, it ought to be sex death and food <laughs> um, but tonight I'm going to go a little different I actually solicited suggestions from the students because I'm reading from the same books I was reading from last year. So I was like, so some of these poems have actually been picked by students. They were like, I like that one, read that one. <laughs> um, but I also, I kind of love, I was gonna go change and put on something shiny and shimmery. Y'all know my gypsy stuff I like to wear. But then I realized I was wearing green and green is for the heart chakra. So green is for love and I love y'all so I kept green on. <laughs> so then I thought, well, let's read a little love then. So I'm gonna do a little young love then a little old love. And I hate to break it to y'all, but it gets better. <laughs> yeah, I thought somebody might like that one. <laughs> so this one's called Here, Touch, Here. It's a little young love, a little memory, a little nostalgia. Here, touch, here, just beneath the ribs you kissed when you were, near, when you were nearly 23, and I was a girl knee-deep in meadow. Fescue, Timothy, mustard, the wild ginger I had just learned from my grandmother a few weeks before we met. Dancing in that bar that night, I wanted to tell you how to spot wild ginger. How Carolina, where we both grew, banned spreading cornflower seeds. And I most wanted to tell you that you smelled of sweet clover and sun. In my silence, I named you Shining One. Later, while you slept, I whispered secrets into your hair how black snake root would keep you strong, rue and thistle protect you, how the plant I named as spikenard, lavender, would lead you in my direction when our time came. In the morning, I left rosemary behind that you might, just might, remember, because as false at times as desire might seem, it isn't, nor is the humid wish for love, steaming, sweating, our second skins, the ones, those made of glass, the ones we fear the most will shatter.
So now let's move forward to the 50s. <laughs> this is, I lost my husband in 2011, and um, so there's a mama poem, and somewhere in here there's a John poem too. So this will be the John poem. This is called The Skin Project. The skin project involves yours and mine, lined and curved and carrying all that we have managed to survive. 50 lifetimes in fold and lip, teeth like tines against hip, lavender ankle, tangle of feet, no longer choosing, simply following my finger to trace the line of your cheek, your hand losing its path, bent knee, the laughter of thighs, the sigh of my belly. You whisper into my ribs and wait for the echo. I know what you want me to speak. This, this is the way. Put your head on my chest and listen to what my heart says. We both know bones to be brighter in winter. Lips and kiss and entirety. Words we couldn't know when we were young pass forth to tongue, go toward, not back, this ancient act this searching for forms of fire. All right, so this one is for Megan. Because you don't have any idea. We had the best time this week. Did you know she was from Eastern North Carolina? We grew up, her parents live like an hour and a half from where I grew up. So we spent a whole week going North Carolina surrealism. So I was like, I was like, home, home girl, we're going to do it. So she was like, I should read, what's that one about being dead in Carolina? I said, it's called being dead in Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's for Megan. I'm not reading the Feetless poem, girl. This is the one to you. Okay, all right. We're, we're good? Okay. No. Being, <laughs> being dead in Carolina. Being dead in Carolina means pine sap and stones in red clay. Unless you're down, down east, then it's pine sap and sand and cypress. It means pockets of shade in 100 plus months, humidity that stands like walls, solid enough we part the curtains of heat with our hands as we walk across century-turned fields, clods of dirt held together by memories of tobacco and peanuts, soybeans and cotton, to a clump of oaks left standing for 100 plus years, untouched in the center of wide, hot nothing. Oak and loblolly monuments in a place where no one and nothing is ever forgotten. Someone standing there pulls out a hot stiff collar while the preacher recites the 23rd. Someone is named Junior and someone else will keep the pictures on a shelf or in a box dragged out at Christmas along with sweet potatoes and pecan pie and while fat babies dangle from hips and men gather outside to talk basketball and fried turkey and politicians, you know you can't trust none of them. The women will lean over the photos, some of them sepia and bent, tape yellowed at the corners, and they will once again be mourners, speaking your name out loud. Aunt this, uncle that, now whose daddy was he again? And they will reclaim the lines, reweave themselves into your time together and alone, wisdom born of survival heavy as stone, the nobility of persisting understanding that their story is also and always your own. All right, so um, 
One more poor girl poem. This is my favorite poor girl poem, and it has to do with shoes. <laughs> so, this is called A Poor Girl's History and Doc Martens. It's in three parts. One, I bought mine secondhand from the thrift shop on the mall called Dapper Dan's. I couldn't afford them new, but oh, I had plans. I was gonna spray paint them blue with swirls, Van Gogh's Starry Night in every step I made. I bought Cindy Lauper lace too. Tied up my you can't be white hair right there at the counter as the girl desperately seeking someone didn't even look up as I paid. She did sigh though as she counted the coins, tips it had taken me three days waiting tables at the crow's nest to make. Two. I wore them with a cute print dress, thick socks, lace leggings, letting that lace peek between the flounce of the hem and the bite of the boot, like a tease, like a promise, like a threat, like I knew the secret of what it meant to be both wanted and wild. Three, my mama hated them. <laughs> Especially when I wore them with skirts. She scowled, didn't say much, took my fashion defiance, my stomping about in the dirt with sorrowful silence. I know now this woman who, as a child, had no shoes at all, understood that booted call to power. Like we could, both of us, somehow be, in the end, thick-skinned and protected against the inherited violence of poverty, the legacy of anger and need. You know, sometimes, it takes a conspiracy to believe. All right, so I'm gonna do something I've never done before, but I thought given my um, my seminar this week, my pants were done. Um, I'm gonna read a couple political poems. Okay, so this first one's like, if Dr. Seuss was my daddy. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> It's called Blood Feud in a Place Called Sometime. Blood Feud in a Place Called Sometime where they fought over beans, over beans and bread, uh, over who would be fed and why, why one and not the other, why the child and not the mother, why the wise turning brother on brother, the hunger drawing bloody lines in the sand, the hands clawing skin, man to man, where they shook their fists at the gray and sky and took up muddy shovels and picks and swords and sticks, where they faced off, pacing off to the count of ten, where the how and the when rolled their eyes to blood, turned their bones to wood, turned their mouths to mud, and their hearts to bread, the bread they wished they had, the need now so bad being all they knew, the cry for beans that would see them through, the hunger for more that would made, that made them run, dropping their sticks to take up guns, to build up bombs in parking lots, to move from threats to warning shots, warning shots that fell like hail while the women wept and the babies wailed, and shouting grew big as their hollow eyes, and the men with the bombs called themselves wise, saying, we'll put a stop and end all this. The beans are ours, and they flipped the switch. They pressed the button, they exploded the world, curl and blaze, blaze the clouds, the haze, the slash and fry, they scorched the earth and seared the sky, incinerating all of it every bit. They burned the mothers and babies and sisters and brothers. The planet itself, it cracked and split. An end to the feud at all costs, by all means. Boiling it down, they showed them good until nothing stood, not a single thing between those men 
and a hill of beans. I've never done that one out loud before, <laughs> except in my house. <laughs> this one's a uh, political, but it's uh, not quite that rhythmic. It's called Some Mornings Are Chronic. Some mornings are chronic, tenacious in their violence, relentless in the ache that tastes dark as coffee burnt to the bottom of the pot. I had dreamt of being deaf of losing the sounds of birds, the wishing whir of water. Then worse, in the dream, someone threatened my son. And I, now also mute, found myself incapable of protecting him. I shivered into the kitchen, arms folded. I stared at things, cups, sink, unable to separate into waking. It was the morning they blew up Paris. A hawk, brown as toast, sat at my window. He screeched into the hollow and then into the wind. His rough, crowned tuft of white feathers lifted and fell again and again with each tense high note. Down the road, I could hear the horses, their braying like wailing, like the barbed wire I always knew would never hold. The hawk screamed for them to stop but I knew they would run, persistent in their race against this insidious sadness until their lungs ripped with cold and fire, until their blood left flecked trails behind them on the snow. Um, so let's see. Yeah. All right, new book. This is, Jesse Van Eerden taught me this. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go to print. Kim said, reframe me phone. Do it like Jesse does. <laughs> <laughs> so the new book is coming out from Kelsey Books in September, late September. Um, oh, no, no. You better update. Oh, there it is. Um, it's called Death for Beginners. It's the first time I've tried a themed collection. Um, and the overarching thing is a woman who lives with ghosts and it's interspersed with um, musings, various musings on death. Um, I've had a lot of death in my life and the best way for me to handle it is kind of take it straight on. So I've been writing about death for a long time. Um, but go the ghosts actually speak. So a lot of the poems in the book start with ghost says. And so they're various ghosts speaking. I'll read just a couple of those real quick. This one's called Ghost Says I Could Be Anybody. Ghost says I could be anybody. You just don't know. Say I'm a boy named Jimmy Baird, a second son what put on the uniform 16th Regiment, 1st Virginia, after my daddy was killed at Drainsville. Say I left my daddy's farm in Jetersville after my daddy was killed too, killed early at Manassas, and I marched myself off at 16 to join up against them Yankees. I walked away from Sailor's Creek. I walked and walked and reckon I'm still walking, they said, to High Bridge or Rice's Depot. But me, I just see this road what tears my feet again and again since I lost my boots. I just see the sun forever going down in that west I walked toward and that woman, that woman, I all the time see that curly-headed woman who sits on the stoop 
and lifts a hand each day as me and my boys go by. Reckon one day I'll stop and speak. Ask her, don't she think it's true? How we sometimes just can't see the cost when we feel we've got something to prove. Ghost says jungle. Ghost says jungle and nothing else. Just jungle. I lean in and wait for what else he might have to say. Outside, there's a rumble of some Virginia boy's oversized truck chewing up the asphalt on our narrow, dark country road. Is that the jungle you mean, I ask? Ghost appears by the window, facing out into the night. I look, expecting him to have a reflection. The glass is clear and black, no reflection that I can see. All hearts are jungle creatures, Ghost says. Can't you hear them screaming in the trees? This is the last one. This is actually the opening poem. Okay, behave, phone. <laughs> this is actually the opening poem um, of the new book. If I, I can't, it won't go to the end of it. What am I doing wrong with the draft? Okay, so we're going to read like this. It's called Baptism. Baptism. Again, each night when the dead gather, slow glow encircling my bed, movement and memory and mist. I think at first I'm dreaming or maybe drowning. They lean in and over, their hands liquid and light, haloing my head, surrounding my face. Their voices like the dark space between hymns, a rising sound like touch they call all of my names at once. They say, make a bowl of your heart. They say, each moment we give you is christening. They say, love is never too much. Thank you.